0: Everyone remembers Star Wars and Star Trek. But see, there's other sci-fi voices of shows and people that we might forget. So if you haven't thought of Dollhouse, Classic Battlestar, or Babylon 5 in a while, you you gotta listen in. It's a sci-fi diner classic, voices from a long time ago galaxy far, far away. It's the Cypher fi Diner Classic, bringing you voices from the past. No, we ain't here, I think. It's the Cypher fi Diner Classic, don't give me no news, just give me interviews. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We, of course, have an excellent and exciting inter- interview for you tonight. We actually recorded this interview at Shore Leave this past summer, and it was an absolute pleasure to meet and chat with Robert Picardo.
1: Yes, this was one the one I was probably looking forward to most out of all the interviews we did there. Um, and, uh, I mean, this was nice for both of us. Um, he was, for me, Star Trek Voyager. You the Stargate and uh, uh, Stargate uh, Atlantis uh, so it worked out real well
0: yeah it did and he, and he was really uh, when we were there he really gave us his, we have, a, we have a, he gave us our attention and he was really focused in what we were talking about it was really good to kind of sit down and just chat with him because he's someone that we both have kind of admired and we look forward to seeing where he's going to appear next and um, you know two notable sci-fi shows and obviously sci-fi isn't the only thing he does but these were some big big shows for him and I know that I know that we. It was really exciting just to sit here and chat with him, and so we're just really glad that we can bring in this interview. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Anything else you want to say, Miles? Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to
1: hearing the interview. I, I, I'm waiting for months to hear it. And
0: yeah, I know we recorded it, and we was like, let's do a closer when Stargate uh, airs. And By the way, you know if you haven't noticed, we've been trying to align the interviews out with shows that are either on or that are coming out, and so. Um, and uh so this is one that's coming out in two weeks you know stargate universe is coming out and robert ricardo may or may not be on it i think when we talked to him he wasn't planning on it but uh also some news that the stargate uh, stargate movie is now back in back in the throes of things so we might see him in that who knows mm-hmm. but either way uh we've done enough talking here why don't we go ahead and run into the interview hope you enjoy Five three five five, six point four we've towed a damaged vessel aboard and are attempting to repair it while the doctor treats the komarian crew who have suffered minor injuries
1: we are ready to return to our ship could you contact one of your
2: superiors doctor to the captain please report to sickbay already on my way the captain is coming here, now. If you want to talk to her, you can have a seat. <laughs> My name is Scott. Hi, Scott. How do you do? And there's Miles. Hi, Miles. Yeah. How do you do?
1: Ethan Phillips is, is must be the greatest sport in the world.
2: Oh, why? Because I abuse him so yes. horribly? Yes, yes. <laughs> we are great friends, and our shtick has become an extension of our relationship as the characters on Voyager, where Neelix basically annoyed the Doctor. Mm-hmm. But the doctor secretly liked him mm-hmm. and admired his, you know, enthusiasm and his upbeat attitude. But, but also found them a bit of a boob, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, so that, so that, that was. Uh, we we've extended that relationship in the way we interact on stage. But we're really great friends. Well, the
1: chemistry is, is there. It's exactly
0: yeah.
2: We love each other. We do, we do, we're We really great friends. We talk on the phone a lot. We make each other laugh. We leave each other joke messages and, you know, uh, satiric messages about Star Trek conventions. I once told him that because the convention market was slowing down, there was a promoter um, who... Uh, who was proposing a Star Trek convention where the fans got to kill their favorite Star Trek actor? It was called SnuffCon, but he needed both of us to commit because it was a two-day event. Right. So I would leave that message on his machine, dead serious, you know, and see what he would, you know, how he would respond to the, snuff, respond? the SnuffCon <laughs> offer. So you guys try
1: to out-sing each other? We try
2: to out, yeah. We try to take it to the next level and teasing each other and leaving, yeah. So we're we're just really good buddies. Oh, Love the show the other night. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's it's build as a play, but that's not really fair to the entire uh, history of, of theater.
1: Well, when you step <laughs> at a character and you start kicking him, you yeah. know
2: what I mean, it's very but goofy. W- works. It, Yeah, it works. it works because the audience. It's fun for the audience to see us slip in and out of the characterizations, at least vocally, that they're used to. So that when we we completely stop dead and goof around and then go right back to where we were, I think that people enjoy that. You know, peek behind the. Uh, the the backstage peak of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that they think they're getting it, and it's fun for us. The interruptions have become way more important than the story. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, and it makes it varied
2: interesting for you as well. Then,
0: yeah, it's
2: always a little different. We repeat obviously some jokes, but I have no idea what he's going to say, and, and, <laughs> or who's going to take the lead in goofing off. You know, necessarily we sometimes. I will stop the show earlier on, but normally I let him do it, and then so to establish the fact that I'm trying to get business done, and and then he annoys me. But then, because my character tends to be a huge windbag, I sometimes won't let go of something, as you know. So we both we both stop the show plenty of times. Now,
0: tell us about uh, Stargate Land. That's where I became. from. I actually am not a Trekkie. Mm-hmm. Miles he, is. He, he will be someday. Yeah, he's trying to convert <laughs> When he grows me. up. Yeah, well, <laughs> right now I'm more of an Atlantis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us about um, when you initially became a part of Stargate the franchise. It was kind of a side character. You were in for a few episodes, didn't see you for a while. And all of a sudden, Woolsey shows up again. And, and all at the end, he's running Atlantis. How did that all work out? Did you know well, it was going to be a recap? I didn't know. It really came from the fact that... Uh,
2: we're making an interview. Could you come back in a couple minutes? Um, it really came from the fact, I think, that the producers, Joe Malazzi and Paul really, uh liked me. They had me up there. They, I think they were aware of me and, and liked my work from Voyager. They had me up for the one-shot guest star where I was supposed to help provide filler material for an episode that ran too long and they were going to expand it into a two-parter, Heroes. Uh, and then... And I played a pretty straight-ahead bad guy who came in to, you know, well, assign deal. blame for the tra- tragedy uh, of the death of their doctor and and was uh, really giving uh, General Hammond-Deer departed Don Davis a tough time and interviewing everybody. And it was a complicated day shooting a lot of dialogue, some tricky camera moves, and uh, but I got the job done. They liked me. They took me out to dinner.
0: And then they... I thought that was it. I never thought I'd come back in a part like that, but they
2: decided to bring me back, and with each successive appearance, they kind of rehabilitated the Wolsey character a little bit. First they made him, first he was just an out-and-out out dick, and the next time he's a dick, but he means well, right? He's a well-motivated dick. And then with each successive time, they started giving him little character foibles, a little bit of humor, different things. Are you off, my dear?
1: Oh, no, I'm doing the talk.
2: Oh, good. Oh Yeah, I'll are you hope, off it, today? Uh, no, I'm I'm staying this evening, so maybe oh, okay. I'll see you later. I yeah, have... I'm here. Until okay. Too. All right. Okay. Good. Good. Bye. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> A little interlude there with Rachel Luttrell, my castmate, or former castmate. Um, so, uh, uh, with each successive appearance, they gave me some comic foibles: uh, the Scourge, of the SGA episode where we we went off-world, and Woolsey's afraid to go through the Stargate, and then. And Then he's afraid of the bugs and he runs away faster than anyone else. So they establish him sort of as a, uh, you know, as a conference room guy who's not at all, not at all adept or courageous in the real situation. And the irony is that he, that then once he became the the liaison with the IOA, I would say the International <laughs> Olympic Committee, the IOA, um, then he was. Constantly evaluating the leadership of others, when in fact he had no real leadership skills of his own. <laughs> so when I did get the call from Joe Malazzi asking how I'd like to take over the Atlantis expedition, I was really surprised. I said I'd love to, but are, are you kidding? And I said I, you know, I, I've been kind of a coward and certainly not not a good people manager and not a leader. And and then the impression I got from him was that that was what would make it challenging. The fans liked my character and that they would tweak it, all that. But basically, it would become... And and, and when I hung up the phone, I thought, you know, with so many people changing careers later in life, especially, and it's gotten a lot worse in the economic meltdown, but you got people in their 50s who are out of work trying to reinvent themselves. And I thought, well, what an interesting thing for this guy to try to do, you know? Has no real emotional connections back on earth. Uh, Goes off and takes this job and and he's scared himself, and he's out of his depth, but he's convinced he's going to try to turn himself into a different person, a real leader. And I thought that it ended up working out pretty well. Without completely violating what we'd set up, I, I kind of grew into,
0: a, you know, a, a leader of sorts. There was some real honesty. In one of the episodes especially, There's some real honesty about the, the self-doubt the characters yeah. going through. Mm-hmm. I really liked that because I felt like, in the end, Woolsey became a really <laughs> deep character that he really understood mm-hmm. where, you know, at first when you see him, you just don't see that. <coughs> yeah, you,
2: he was one of those, what you see is what you get, which is a prick, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then he, yeah, they, I think as the audience got to know him, and and, and sometimes he couldn't help himself but be the old Woolsey. He couldn't help himself but be the officious kind of, you know, uh, you know, this is the, we gotta follow the rule book type of guy. But, but I think they really tweaked it early on well, where he learned that in these circumstances with this crew in this situation, he had to learn to trust his, uh, you know, his senior officers, head advisors, trust them. And also to, to, to uh, if he followed the rule book, it wasn't always gonna work out. He had to follow his gut. Um, as he developed those instincts, so that was uh, it, it. Ended up being fun. I was really disappointed to see it end uh, so quickly. I mean, I went in thinking it would just be a year. Also, not knowing if Amanda would be back, if her show would succeed, whether I would just be a fill-in. And so I didn't. I, my own expectations didn't necessarily extend beyond a year, but certainly for the sake of the show as a whole, I, I was surprised that it didn't. You know, that it didn't go um, on. Yeah, it did but, seem to
0: be. At least you have the movie right
2: coming out. Um, as far as uh, you know, they, there's, they've written the script for the movie. We don't have a, a go date yet. It'll depend on whether the Sci-Fi Channel I think really feels that the interest is strong enough. So we're hoping so it happens. At least but I don't know. Right. What is the it, plan? Yeah, it's written, and we just need enough loyal Stargate fans out there to uh, write into the Sci-Fi Channel and say, "Hey, where's the Atlantis movie?" Yeah. yeah. Are you are you scripted to be in that? Oh yeah, I am. I'm scripted to be in. If it's made, I will be there. From the Star Trek end,
1: of things. Uh, I know a lot of your character was providing a lot of comic relief. However, a lot of Star Trek is kind of social commentary. Is there an episode that you that you participated in your mind really stands out? Is a favorite, or maybe made a statement that you, you know just you felt really satisfied with? Yeah, there. Are.
2: I have favorite episodes for different reasons. Um, I love uh, as far as making a statement. Uh, uh, there were two medical shows uh, Critical Care um, where uh, uh, the doctor is basically hijacked by an alien HMO (laughs) uh, in in a society in which uh, medical care is rationed according to your perceived societal worth as an individual Mm -hmm. I thought that was a very interesting and provocative show Um, and then uh, Nothing Human where one of my dear friends, David Clennan, guest starred as a, as a holographic recreation of a Cardassian, you know, uh, Mengele. And he had, um, he had killed uh, thousands of people in medical experimentations to, de- to develop uh, a, uh, a flu uh, antivirus that saved many more lives. Mm-hmm. So the question was, is medical research tainted by the manner in which it is it is uh, derived accomplishment. accomplished. Um, I also loved uh, the, the, the episode that the writer Joe Minoski described as the development of the doctor's soul or the birth of the doctor's soul which was a uh, latent image where the doc- in a medical crisis the doctor saves his friend Harry Kim over another uh, crew person who he doesn't know as well and then he can't resolve the guilt from having done that having made a choice. Like that, Um, it was based on individual preference. Uh, Thought it violated his Hippocratic Oath. Um, That was a good one. And then there were some great comic ones, the and romantic ones. I love someone to watch over me. Some of the lighter-hearted ones, but they were still about you know the the Are My Fair Lady episode, where the where the uh, teacher falls in love with his student. So there were a a lot that I remember. fondly uh, obviously the more dramatic doctor ones usually centered around the medical arena not exclusively but often did or around the entitlement the entitlement of an individual and what constitutes an individual so um,
0: you
2: yeah, know there were a lot uh, there were a lot of them that that i remember uh, fondly and being a lot of a lot of words to learn <laughs> What did you like about playing the Doctor? I, I, what I liked the most, in the context of Star Trek, where if you're a Starfleet crew person, there is such a kind of a strict code of ethics and behavior uh, that you normally have to follow. What I loved about playing the Doctor was that he wasn't—he wasn't a real person. He was not an officer. He was designed for emergency medical use for a limited. So I did not have to obey any of the laws of being a Starfleet officer. I did not have to be brave, Mm -hmm. stalwart, true. I didn't have to do any of those things. I could be completely self-involved, cowardly, uh, arrogant. I I could have all these negative qualities to play, which the other actors don't have the luxury in their their characterizations to play. And that was what turned out to be the most fun, ultimately.
1: In, In a sense, he was probably the most human.
2: Yeah, but also he was the most like the average audience member, right? The average audience member in a crisis situation is not necessarily going to be a hero, right? The way the doctor is not, it's like, wait a minute, I'm not cut out for this. This is not what I'm supposed to do. That was what the doctor, his original attitude was like, whoa, I'm designed for this, you know, and now you're, you know, respect what I do know and what I do bring to the table, but don't ask me to do this, this, and this. But because he became the chief medical officer, immediately they were pushing him into doing something he wasn't assigned to do. But then he grew to love that, and then he, he had this parallel instinct to extend himself beyond what his initial programming was. In other words, to make himself a better individual. So on the one hand, he could play all these negative qualities, but on the other hand, he had a better self that wanted to you know, constantly exceed... Everyone's expectations and do more and be more valuable. So there was a great wealth of things to play and it turned out to be a great deal of fun and a very long, interesting art that I didn't realize I had been blessed with until well into the process. I was ignorant enough about Star Trek and the outsider character that I had been lucky enough to get to not know that I was in for a fun ride.
1: I think anybody who watched Voyager from Season 1 to Season 7 could definitely see the character development
2: I know. think I had uh, the other actors and I have to agree with them I had the I, I was I had the best I had the best character <laughs> I was a lucky guy